This time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of... Oh, and before I get to Rabbi Yudin, there was something I was asked to announce regarding uh, uh, Shomrei Torah and Fairlawn. Give me one second. They have an event coming up on the... They have an event coming up uh, on the 1st of November, starting at 12 noon. The famous Wandering Q Barbecue, the Wandering Q, will be at Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, November 1. Circle the calendar that begins at 12 noon and goes until 9 p.m. This time each and every Friday, every hour of Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Lech Lecha. With Parshas Lech Lecha, we focus now on Jewish history. And fascinating, unlike the strong contrast of the beginning of Parshas Noach, whereby the Torah introduces us to Noach by telling us he's Ish Tzadik, Righteous man, Tamim Hayyub Bedorosov, Eswelokim, his Halech Noach. Here, there is no introduction immediately to Avram Avinu. All you have is, Bayom Rashem El Avram, God says to Avram, two words, Lech Lecha. The first communication that God has with the first Jew is, go home. Home to the land of Canaan slash the land of Israel. According to the Chinuch, there is one mitzvah in Parshas Lech Lecha, and that is at the end of the Parsha, chapter 17, the mitzvah of Brismila. It's interesting to note that the Rambam, in his commentary on the Mishnah in the seventh chapter of Chulin, points out that we fulfill the mitzvah of Mila, circumcision, not because it is written in Parshas Lech Lecha, but rather because it is commanded to us in Parshas Tazria, whereby the Torah says, Ubayom Hashmini, and on the eighth day, Imol Besar Arlaso. In Parshas Lech Lecha, we begin some of the ten tests, trials that Avram Avinu is faced with, and I'd like to focus on one of the earlier ones. The Torah tells us that when Avram finally comes to the land of Canaan, well, shortly thereafter, in verse 10, we are told, Vahira of Baaretz, there was a famine in the land. Vayered Avram Mitzrayma, and Avram then goes down to Egypt because of the intensity of the famine in the land. According to Rashi, this is meritorious. Avram passed the test, namely, after leaving his father, leaving his homeland, coming to a strange land, he's finally there, and as soon as he gets there, there's a famine and he has to leave the land. And instead of complaining to God and saying, like, wait a minute, like, what's going on here? There is silence on Avram's part. He accepts whatever God throws his way. So according to Rashi, he passes the test. However, according to the Ramban, this is not one of the ten tests, because according to Ramban, Avram fails over here. And 
the Ramban writes, and I read to you, Vida, and you should know, Ki Avram Avinu, our father Abraham, who, when they come down to Egypt, says to his wife Sarah, wait a minute, I know you are a beautiful woman, and when the Egyptians see you, and they will say, uh-oh, he, she is his wife, they will kill me and allow you to live. Therefore, Imrina, please say, Achosiat, that you are my sister, in order that, well, Leman Yitavli in order that it will be good for me through you, and my soul, I'll remain alive once again through you. Now, the Ramban writes, Vida, you should know, Ki Avram Avinu, our father Abraham, Chota Chet Godol, transgressed or sinned a great sin, Bishkaga, true, inadvertently, that he brought his wife, Hatzadekes, the righteous woman, B'michshol Avon, literally, to the verge of transgression, because of his personal fear, lest he be killed. Avram should have had greater bitachon, trust in God, so that he would save him, as perhaps indeed we know from the Rashi at the end of Parshas Noach, that God does save Avram from the furnace. So God has a pretty good track record with him. Now, I wish to begin by calling your attention to the commentary of Rav Shimshon Rafal Hirsch on this episode of the first few psukim, starting with first Pasuk 10, that there was a famine in the land, and Avram's telling Sorai, that, please, tell them you are my sister. The commentary of Rav Hirsch is, I think, very significant. And he says the following, in quoting the Ramban, our father Abraham inadvertently committed a grave sin by placing his virtuous wife before a stumbling block of iniquity because of his fear of being killed. His leaving the land about which he had been commanded because of the famine was another sin he had committed. Nevertheless, here it comes. None of this should perplex us. The Torah does not have a water gate. What does that mean? My words. The Torah does not seek, continues Rav Hirsch, to portray our great men as perfectly ideal individuals deifies no man. It says of no one, here you have the ideal, in this man the divine assumes human form. It does not set before us the life of any one person as the model from which we might learn what is good and what is right, what we must do and what we must refrain from doing. When the Torah wishes to put before us a model to emulate, it does not present a man who was born of dust. Rather, God himself presents himself as the model, saying, 
the holachta bidrachav, as we find in Parshas Kisavo. Look upon me, emulate me, walk in my ways. We are never to say this must be good and right because so-and-so did it. The Torah is not, continues Rav Hirsch, an anthology of good deeds. It relates events not because they are necessarily worthy, worthy of emulation, but because they took place. Now listen carefully. Very insightful. The Torah does not hide from us the faults, the errors, the weaknesses of our great men. And this is precisely what gives its stories credibility. The knowledge given us of their faults and weaknesses does not detract from the stature of our great men, but on the contrary, it adds to their stature and makes their life stories even more instructive. Had they been portrayed to us as malachim, as shining models of perfection, flawless and unblemished, we would have assumed that they had been endowed with a higher nature, not given us to attain. Had they been portrayed free of passions and inner conflicts, their virtues would have seemed to us as merely the consequence of their loftier nature, not acquired by personal merit, and certainly no model we can ever hope to emulate. In simple English, the reason why we can relate to the Avos is because the Torah shows us not only their greatness, but even their small f, their faults. And therefore, take for example, continues Rav Hirsch, Yudin wouldn't have the chutzpah to say this, but take for example the modesty, the humility of Moshe. Had we not known, continues Rav Hirsch, that Moshe was capable also of flying into a rage, we would have assumed that Moshe's humility was an inborn trait, not within our capacity to emulate. But it's precisely his outburst at the rock, when instead of speaking to it, he hits them and he says to the people, literally, listen here, you belly acres, that this lends his humility its great, its true greatness. We thus infer that Moshe acquired humility through hard work, self-control, self-refinement, and that we are all obligated to emulate him since it's within our capacity to do the same. This is the first part that I want to share with you on Shimu, when Avram says to his wife, Imrina Achosiat. Take a deep breath. I'd like to share with you a completely different understanding of these words. I was privileged this past week to be with Rav Moshe Weinberger Shlita, the Rav of Esh Kodesh in Lawrence, and I was troubled by Avram's Imrina Achosiat, so he shared with me a thought by Rav Gershon Henach of Radzin, the grandson of the Ishbitza. What I'm going to tell you now is not pshat, is not the literal understanding. But the greatness of our Torah is, it is like an onion, layers and layers. There's pshat, there's drash, there's remez, there's sod. And just as the Ramban tells us that Avram Avinu, 
when he went down to Egypt because of the famine, Masay Ovos, Simon the Bonim, literally the actions of our forefathers are a portend of things to come in the future. Yaakov and his children go down because of a famine. God plagued Paro in this week's Parsha, and God plagues Egypt with ten plagues. The Jewish people, Yavram leaves with great wealth, we leave Egypt with great wealth. There is this parallel, and Avram pays the way. I'd like to suggest, in the name of Rav Gershon Henech of Radzin, a very insightful pshat. We find in the fifth chapter of Shira Shirim. What does it say in verse 2? Says one lover to the other, Kol dodi dofeik, right? The voice of my lover is knocking. Pischili, open up. And what does he call the lover? Achosi, my sister. Rayosi, my beloved. Which one is it? And the answer is, there are times when God is very intimate with the Jewish people, like Rayosi, like a wife. And there are times when He is with the Jewish people with a less intimate, but a different bond, like a sibling, like one to their sister. Now watch, the first one, Rayosi, could be terminated with a get. The second one, you cannot divorce your family. Your sibling is your sibling. You might not speak to your sister every day, but there is that strong bond between siblings, and it's this unbreakable, strong bond that Avram Avinu is now saying, we have left, unfortunately, the land of Israel. We're no longer functioning now on Rayasi realm, but Imri Nah, Nah doesn't mean please, but Nah says the Targum means Ka'an, which means now. Imri now, now that we've come down to Egypt, now that we're in a place of immorality, now the relationship of God to the Jewish people is different. It is Achosiat, that God is relating to us as that sister. And therefore, says Avram Avinu, that even in these kinds of circumstance, even in Gullus, even in exile, we still have, and we must always remember that God never forsakes the Jewish people, and He is with them, even in a time of Gullus. My friends, we pray that we are in the state of Aschalta de Geula, the land of Israel, the state of Israel, we pray, with all that is going on, is the beginning of our ultimate redemption. We sense and we pray that we are ut-ut in the days of coming before Moshiach, but we are still in Galos. The very fact that, unfortunately, there is now this tension in Israel, unfortunately, this sense of nervousness of even going out of doors, etc., which we pray is going to end. We need to listen to the Chafetz Chaim, who the Chafetz Chaim, Zechat Sadek Levrocha, said that when there is a din, when there is a judgment going on in the world, we have to increase our Rachamim. We have to increase our Chesed. We have to increase our kindness one to another. And it's not just to your best friend. It's not just to those that you're usually involved with chesed. But rather, 
Go and extend chesed. Go when you have a chance this Sunday to an old age senior citizen's home. Spend time with them. Take your children and grandchildren with you. It is such an important experience of giving dignity to the elderly, giving meaning to the children. They should realize and they'll see how important it is from the smiles on the faces of. There are so many ways that we call can increase our circle of chesed, thereby, please God, in our times, immediately changing the relationship that at times Hashem appears to us as a chosi, that please God, this can be transformed to rayosi. I pray that we'll take this lesson, as well as the first of Rav Hirsch, to heart. Shabbat Shalom to all.